Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 26 of our Nature Centered podcast, Spectacular Spring Species. Say that three times really quick. (laughs) (laughs) But we will be taking a look at all of the great new birds that are starting to show up across all over North America and what you can do in your backyard to maybe help entice a few of them to come a little bit closer to your neighborhood and your yard. And if you've been following any of our podcasts, you know we talk about a lot of different habitat components. We talk about different food components. But today, we're going to really jump into some new school bird feeding tips and really get into what are some of those specific kinds of seeds or fats or even mealworms and some new tips on these different kinds of foods, including some water tips as well to help you attract more and even some specific kinds of species as they're passing through. Okay, Brian, it is springtime. There is so many cool things starting to happen around all over North America and certainly related to what's going on in our backyard. Oh, everything that's waking up and on the move. Yeah, it's so new much birds fun. showing up and all kinds of uh, wildflowers starting to peek out of the forest floor. And we've got some, I don't know, I, you mentioned you had uh, uh, tree frogs, great tree frogs. Oh, I just heard my to, first tree frogs yep, singing. Chatter. Yeah. Yep, yep. I've had the, I've got the, of course, a lake and a, a creek right next to my house. And I get the American toad and they have that wonderful trill call. And I have a lot of toads apparently because it is this cacophony. You go out in the evening and, you know, after dark and it is just this unbelievable chorus of all these toads calling along those waterways. And I I look forward to that every single year. Definitely. And just to know we've got birds that are on the move or they're about to be on the move. And so you got these new birds coming through and also just that springtime. I know nesting is always fun and looking forward to that, but I've had the bluebirds that have been in my yard all winter. And then mom and dad have yep. been feeding yep. one another. Dad's been mate feeding mom. He'll pick up live mealworms and feed her. And it looks like she's been nesting in the yard and they've been taking mealworms to the babies. So it's just really exciting. But one of the things I love so much is we have kind of a little circle of people who watch what's going on in their backyards and we're constantly, you know, texting and and doing teams messaging and all that kind of stuff. It's just like this morning. I put my feeder, I go out and put all my feeders out. I come back in, sit at my desk, look out the window, and there's my first chipping sparrow of the year. I mean, how cool was that? First thing I want to do is share it. So I pop on the teams and I send you and our other colleagues a a message. And of course, then we get into this little chatter about all the other cool things and and our our, uh, colleague that we call Mother Nature's got her great horned owls nesting and just about these things are going to fledge maybe later this week. So, you know, that's what I hope. You know, that's what I hope for the people who listen to this podcast, that you do have that kind of a circle. You do get that sense of community in watching these (laughs) birds and you get excited as we do about every single one that's starting to show back up. And we've had a lot. I know you've talked a lot, Brian, about the ones that are showing up in your yard. 
Oh yeah. And I led another bird walk, uh, this last weekend and we've had new birds showing up in the area, you know, sap suckers and towhees are starting to come back yeah, in yeah. our area, which is always really fun. You start hearing their, their calls. Um, well, like for us, the sap sucker, that's one of those spectacular spring species that moves through. And someone was asking, well, are they, do they stay for winter? Well, we don't normally have them stay for winter, so we don't get to see them all winter long. They'll come through in the fall and they'll come through in the spring, but they don't stay to nest here either. So it's really fun to try to capture them in the yard to get a closer look at them. I mean, we were in your yard uh, just yeah. the other day yeah. <laughs> and heard that crazy <laughs> call that they do, and we all just stopped and looked. Where did yeah. that come from? So these are the things that we want to talk today about. We want to look at yep. those birds and all these other birds that are heading our way as we speak and what you can do in your backyard to hopefully make it a little more attractive to get these guys come into your yard like I am so very, very fortunate to have and Brian too, to have them coming into our yards. John, well, let's talk about some of those spectacular spring species we can get on our yards and and how and some tips on doing that. Yeah, the number one thing and we've been, you know, beating the drum for this for a while, but it's so true. And that is habitat. And no matter what your yard looks like, habitat is that number one thing that helps attract the birds to our yards and using all sorts of different kinds of native plants. That's the best way to bring them in. But you can also do supplemental foods and doing different supplemental foods, whether you have just that basic suburban yard or you have that beautifully landscaped, fully native acre upon acre to bring in the birds. Um, but you can always be putting out some supplemental foods to really attract those birds and bring them in closer for better views. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really just think about what birds, if you are already in the hobby and doing some feeding and you've seen kind of the routine uh, and the cycle, if you will, of what birds come in in the spring and what are with you all summer long and what are coming in in the wintertime. So the bottom line is for me, I want those birds to stay with me this summer. Mm -hmm. I want them to yes. stick around. Two things need it. I need the habitat. I need some place they they kind of like low shrubs and then and that type of evergreen to to do their nest and a cute little grass type nest it's really nice uh so i want to make sure i've got some some habitat uh, that's going to look good for uh, a possible nest location and then i'm going to put a lot of millet out oh they uh, these, love they, the millet yeah 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 <laughs> they are millet fiends and they just go crazy over millet and i know there's a lot of other birds that different people like to attract with millet and well, I think, uh, yeah, and that's one of those secret little tips because a lot of times people think millet is for wintertime for ground feeding birds only. Mm -hmm. But summertime and millet, there are birds that you can get into your yard and, yeah. and hopefully have them stay by offering yeah. the millet like your chipping sparrow. I don't get them every year, but enough that again, I'm not gonna. I, I'm going to have millet out in my yard for indigo buntings. I mean, there you these, go. I, the best I've ever done is I had two breeding pairs coming to my feeders most of the summer, uh, indigo buntings. And again, if you're not familiar, this is an all blue, just or you know, if you, I had two pairs. Yeah. coming to my feeders. Well, that's fantastic. That, that, that was just one, one year. Most of the time I just have one pair. Okay. Uh, and then there's some years I don't get them at all in the summertime. So it's not a guarantee 
But I tell you what, if I didn't have Mellon out there, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I don't have a shot. They're not going to come in at all. Yeah. Well, so, and you were starting to talk about the blue. You know, we always think about the bluebirds. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter which species of bluebird you might get or that you might see in your area. The indigo buntings, all blue. Yeah. Like yeah. the whole bird. Yeah. It's that same bluebird <laughs> color. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Head to tail, all blue. It's, yeah. it's kind of funny we don't call them the bluebird, but. <laughs> <laughs> the partially bluebird and the bluebird. There you go. There's another millet fiends kind of bird group. You know, you're talking about the buntings, the indigo bunting. But you got painted buntings and the, the lazuli buntings. Ooh. I mean, talk about beautiful birds who <laughs> love to come into millet. Yeah, if you haven't Googled any of the other birds that I've mentioned so far, absolutely stop. Go to Google right now and do a, a painted bunting. You will not believe this bird. Yeah, the beautiful colorations of the painted bunting. It always reminds me of like when I was little and do different color in a coloring book. And you think dinosaur, they're all going to be <laughs> monocolor, right? No, you know, when I was four, I colored this thing like 15 different colors. <laughs> well, they, they were birds. They were, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that's what the painted bunting always reminds me of. It was like a little kid just said, this needs to be a really colorful bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got to check it out. And we will also have links in our show notes for all of these if if you have the patience. Yeah, if <laughs> so you can, if you can wait, if you can, if wait, you can wait, you shouldn't wait. Yeah, and the other one we mentioned, the lazuli bunting. I mean, these three are the most spectacular birds you could ask for. And there are very few parts of the country that all three of them are at the same place at the same time. And springtime <laughs> is when it does happen in those places. <laughs> we have a store in Kerrville, Texas, and Kevin and Linda are the owners there and do a phenomenal job. And they had a customer who had like a, a, a bird bath that was actually a granite. It was made out of granite, really beautiful, mm-hmm. handsome bird bath. But they were using it as a millet feeder. They just filled it up with millet. And they sent us, a customer took a photo, which then Kevin and Linda sent to you and I, Brian, mm-hmm. that I, to this day, still have on my bulletin board in my office of all three of those birds in that feeder at one time. It's and it's like phenomenal. they were, yeah, it's like they were posed. <laughs> like someone said okay everybody smile <laughs> click <laughs> it was phenomenal so bottom line is again changing your food up looking at what's potential in your area that's coming your way that's really where you want to think about so in this case yes we've gotten pretty excited about millet <laughs> but there are other things you can do so i love having the fats out and say what yeah different kind of fats are <laughs> fabulous man fats for feeding to the birds our feathered friends get the alliteration fabulous going. fats fats you know <laughs> it can be fats uh, come in all sorts of different varieties now and you can use a suet cake or you can use bark butter or bark butter bits or we have suet cylinders that you can use it comes in all sorts of different forms but what i really like about especially in the springtime with offering different kinds of fats are the warblers coming in small beautifully brightly colored little birds that most of the time there are a number of different warblers some are skulkers and they like to stay low and they stay in the dense bushes maybe around the perimeter of your yard Um, and then others like to be way up in the trees and (laughs) you know 
it comes springtime, a lot of birders want to go chase down all these warblers as they're passing through. And usually they have to look really high up. Yeah, yeah. Because the, these warblers sit way up in the treetops, eating insects mostly. And so you get what's called warbler neck because you're constantly craning your head back with your binoculars <laughs> looking for these little guys. Who are... I just started laying flat on the ground to look at me. <laughs> you don't get warbler neck that way. <laughs> Actually, I have been known to do that as well. But I love in the yard the suets out mm -hmm. of different kinds mm -hmm. of fats and different kinds of feeders to attract them. So I can actually hopefully bring them down yeah. out of the trees or out of the bushes so they'll come up and I can watch them much more closely come into the feeders. So this is all kind of, we, we kind of term it seasonally savvy. You know, this is really kind of mm -hmm. paying attention to what's going on in your backyard and what time of the year it is and what birds are going to, to come through. Uh, and then catering towards them. So one of the things that we absolutely want everybody to be seasonally savvy about right now, nectar feeding birds, which are going to be here before we know it. Those nectar feeding birds, hummingbirds and orioles, those are the, the main ones and they love nectar. And it's always best if you can have your nectar feeders out before they arrive, because when they're coming through, they are used to eating on that nectar, getting that benefit of uh, a boost of energy while they're migrating. And so having those nectar feeders out is a great way to help attract them. And just to see them up close, especially if they're going to move on, but if they're going to, if they're coming and they're staying, then they like to know where the good regular nectar sources are. So they'll keep coming back to it. If they're not already on the move in your area, they will be soon. Yeah. But you get into some of the southwest and the west coast areas, we already have hummingbirds and orioles already on territory nesting-wise or have already moved into an area, starting to claim territories and do their singing and attract a mate. Springtime is all over the board with everything. Yeah, coming through our area is, is kind of a misnomer in a sense because they don't, yeah, some of them are coming through and heading you know, into the northern tier of states and even further in some cases. Uh, but we and most of the uh, country at some point have these birds nesting and staying throughout the summer. And so my goal, and it took me years and years and years, honestly, to be honest, um, to get my Orioles to stick around. Uh, you know, it took me a long time to get them attracted to my feeders in the first place and then to get them actually staying here. Now, I've been once I've gotten that happen, once I first got the success, it's been regular as can be. And last year was a spectacular year for Orioles. Had tremendous activity at my Oriole feeders. And certainly uh, mm -hmm. you know, always, always, you know, you're going to get hummingbirds more than likely. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever failed not to at least have one pair of hummingbirds coming to my feeders throughout the summer. So that's always a, if you, if you are ready to have that kind of activity, it's time to kick into action and get those nectar feeders. And it's not just nectar feeders, it's oranges and grape jelly for the Orioles. We did a couple of podcasts uh, early on, and I just thought, Brian, we're getting close to our our, our twelve month <laughs> one, one year, year anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> yeah, we did and some of our earliest podcasts were on these very things: yeah. Orioles and hummingbirds. So check yeah, back. Hummingbirds, yeah. a beast of a yeah. bird. Yep. Yeah. So I think that was our first episode. I think it was too, and that was what May May sixth. I think something that was in May yeah. last year. So uh, getting close to that one year anniversary, and I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to those early episodes. Uh, 
they're not quite as. <laughs> it took us a Maybe while. Maybe not as polished, but, yeah, but it's, it's still right, fun. Right. We were, we were <laughs> good, good, good information. We were using pretty much stitched together audio and everything else that we could, but we wanted to do it and we pulled it off. And and but it's uh, it's definitely still worth going back and listening to. Well, again, what we're talking about is the things that you can do in your yard that maybe gives you a little bit of an advantage to get these birds to come visit and maybe even stay with you for a mm -hmm. while. So one of the things we haven't talked about yet is water. And, and you know, we've talked to millet and we've talked fats and we've talked nectar. Water is actually a very, very simple thing. And again, we were talking about the warblers a few minutes ago, a good fountain of some type that has the the sound of splashing water, whether you have a little pump on it, a little circulating thing, uh, that splashing water, that is a magnet for warblers to during migration. Uh, so, oh, most yeah. So, and I know you, again, we talked about it a couple of times, Brian, and the fact that you actually went full bore and put in a, re <laughs> yeah, you put in a whole, <laughs> yeah. a whole little stream in your, recirculating <laughs> creek <laughs> in your backyard, well, yeah. but it has, your efforts have paid off. Oh, the efforts have paid off immensely. I mean, multifold. It's fantastic uh, because you get some of these warblers and then some of these other birds, like our different thrushes, um, where they want to come in and get a drink or do a little bathing. Uh, but having a bird bath out is fine. But if you really want to, like John, you said, really make it a magnet for these warblers and some of these spectacular <laughs> species to see them up close get that water moving and make some shallow areas where the water will flow over uh, because then the, the birds will come in and land right in there and drink or bathe. And there's just really nothing more fun than watching a bird bathing yeah. in a little shallow moving water. It is just so cool in the way they dip their head and then shake the water all down their body. You know, kind of like watching a dog shake all the water off from nose to tail kind of thing. You know, Brian, I think the, you're hitting on something that we don't, I don't know that we've ever mentioned before. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions people have with water features, whether it's just a, you know, a bird bath out back or whether they're putting in some kind of a recirculating pond is they get mm -hmm. it too deep. They get ah, them yes. too deep. They, they fill the water level too high in the bird bath. And if you watch where birds naturally bathe, if you ever watch <laughs> puddles in a parking lot after a rain in the springtime I mean, and watch the number of birds, and I hate of starlings, but it's, you know, you get a whole flock of starlings out there all, you know, uh, pool bathing in those little, little pools of water. You know, that's what, half inch, maybe? You know, they, yeah, they don't want quarter inch, half yeah. inch, maybe one inch. Yeah. So the, the thing is you want to, if you want to really attract these birds, you don't want to have something that when they land in it, they, <laughs> they go all the way under. <laughs> they want, Where's the top? Yeah. They want to be shallow water so they can literally kind of sit down or lower themselves into the water, raise back up and do that funny little shake that they do and just continually do that over and over again. So excellent point, Brian, to bring that up. That, that's something yeah, we And really, there's an easy yeah. way to do that. Yeah, I love that you bring that up, John, because if you have one of those bird baths, especially if it's got um, straight sides yep. and it's deep and a few inches deep, two, three, four inches deep, you can put um, different kinds of landscape rock or pretty rocks or, or um, gravel and things to change, to give different levels of depth for the birds to land yep. and hop around yep. at different depths. So anyone can update their bath 
and, and make it so that the birds are much more comfortable and find the level or depth of water that they prefer. Yeah, I have, to have, great I have a couple of really nice little flat pieces of limestone that I can put in my bird bath and it puts it down just about a quarter inch under the water. So it gives a great place for the birds to come in and land and bathe it. So it's fun. That's perfect. And following up on that a little bit, one, one of the things that I would recommend, again, it's not as, as fun as what we've been talking about, but it's as important, if not more so, and that is springtime and being seasonally savvy. One of the things that we really recommend is you take a few minutes and really go through your backyard bird feeding you know, uh, area and, and consider really doing spring cleaning. You know, one of the things we recommend is moving those feeders around. You don't want to keep it in the same exact location year after year because the debris builds up underneath of it and you can get, you know, bacteria and mold and all kinds of different things growing there. So you want to move that feeder around. And, and there's lots of other things when it comes to, to spring cleaning. Spring cleaning is never one of those things that people want to hear about. <laughs> oh, I got to clean up my feeders. I got to clean up my stations. You don't want to throw a dinner party and, and give people dirty plates to serve your fantastic food so it's you know maybe that's a little guilting you in to go and clean those feeders but if it helps to get you to go even just wipe down your feeders do something clean them off rinse them off there are all sorts of tools from brushes or just take an old washcloth and scrub things down and it's always best if you can use warm soapy water rinse it well and if need be you can sanitize your feeders very simply with just a 10 percent bleach solution Clean everything off, dip it, dip the feeders in a 10% bleach solution, which should just be nine parts water and one part just household bleach. And that's not going to, shouldn't damage your feeders at all. Let them soak for a little bit, rinse them off, dry off, and off you go. Uh, and that's really going to help to sanitize anything that might be on them. But you know, you've got nice, clean, shiny, brand new feeders. And it really actually, after winter time and everything that starts to build, really makes yeah. those feeders look nice and shiny yeah. and clean. And I always feel a whole lot better when I see that because I never look forward to cleaning, <laughs> <laughs> but I always appreciate the end results. Yeah. Well, one of those things, again, this, this is all about that seasonally savvy and it's about knowing what birds are going to be passing through your area and through your yard, which ones are going to just continue. Like many of our warblers go way up North and, and continue and don't nest around, you know, the Midwest or in parts of the West. Um, you know, but knowing how to know that, and I know, Brian, we don't have time to go into a lot of detail, but, you know, we recommend eBird. It's a great way to, to, to run an eBird report for your area, and you will literally be able to pinpoint exactly when these birds are starting to show up in your area. So you'll know when the Orioles are going to pop into your area, and you can have that nectar, you can have those oranges, you can have that grape jelly out waiting for them when they get back. Uh, so I would recommend, and again, we'll do some things in our show notes that you can go and, and uh, get the link to eBird. And, and, uh, but it's really about knowing what birds are going to be coming and then changing your game up to, uh, you know, foods, feeders that attract those specific birds that are going to be showing up in your backyard. And if anyone out there has a Wild Birds Unlimited store nearby, Go stop in because the certified bird feeding specialists at those individually owned and operated stores, they know what birds are expected to start showing back up and they have all of the products that you might possibly want or need to be able to help attract them to your yard. So stop by the, the Wild Birds Unlimited store and they'll have all the localized information for you. Again, have fun with this, folks. Again, I, I can't say enough about how much fun Brian and I and a number of our colleagues have just bouncing back and forth and getting, uh, 
I won't say it has anything to do with bragging rights, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) that might start to come into play. It's a little fun who gets the first chipping sparrow (laughs) or who gets the first yellow throat warbler or the first Phoebe. Uh, But it's something to think about, and it's something that uh, we hope you kind of have that much fun with uh, all of this, as Brian and I and our colleagues do too. Most definitely. So, on behalf of Wild Birds Unlimited, we want to thank you for joining us for this portion of Nature Centered Podcast all about the spectacular spring species that you can be attracting to your yard and really enjoy them. So please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Absolutely. And be sure to join us next time. And we're speaking of hummingbirds and orioles. We're going to take another look. It's a really sweet deal when you've got hummingbirds and orioles in your backyard. So we'll take another look and revisit those two uh, birds and how you get them to your backyard. But as always, until then... We're going to let nature be our guide. Take care. Be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.